everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is your podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunlevy, and joined once again by my esteemed co-host, Rob Dunham. I am the also host. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but a valuable also host you are. And I, I bring the soccer jerseys to the podcast, which is yes. very important. New York Red Bull tonight. Okay. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. All right, we've got a great show. We're going to be talking about more movies getting delayed, though a couple of them getting moved up. Uh, we will be also discussing action movie franchises, which one is the best, and playing the game of controversial opinions. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, But let's kick it off with news. So the first item up on our news reel here is um, a major movie getting delayed. So in this case, it is Black Widow. Black Disney announced that two of their movies, Black Widow and West Side Story, have been delayed um, and moved till 2021. Black Widow is now slated for May 7th and West Side Story has been shifted the whole way to December of next year. So this really is, and this has been happening. There's a number of other movies getting moved in that same token. Um, This really signifies a, a sense that I think some of the other studios were not too encouraged by the American theater results of Tenant. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on uh, seeing some more movies getting moved? Uh, it's a little disheartening. Um, I really firmly believe that it it may be the right decision when we're thinking about people's health and safety, but I also don't think that the health and safety is the reason that studios are delaying movies. I think it's all about money, and that's why it's discouraging. To me because I feel like if they really wanted the movies to be out they would release them and they're not because they're worried about not making the amount of money they want and it is a business um, but you do have to wonder and I've talked to some of my friends and you about this uh, how much the theater industry can take before we start to see some of these major changes moving towards bankruptcy or other drastic moves you know that may not close them for good they might be able to come back from that okay but it's not a good position to be in and i feel like the studios are really putting theaters in a very difficult position to survive um i haven't been going to the theater as much as i want to because of uh, everything that's going on but i have been a couple times and the couple times i've been uh, there's only been about four or five cars in the parking lot. So this is definitely having a major impact, and I'm not sure how much longer the industry can hold up under it with uh, things continuing to shift further and further down the road. Uh, another movie that was a part of that announcement was Eternals, uh, which is another part, uh, a big part of the next phase of the Marvel Universe. And Camille and Johnny is the uh, one of the stars of that and uh, I'm very looking forward to seeing 
his performance. And you wonder when we're actually going to see <laughs> that performance on the screen. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed by this news. Um, I, think, I think it's bad for several reasons. I think one is I understand where the studios are coming from. And I agree, this is not, I mean, sometimes, we're in sometimes different places in terms of, I, I've been to the movie several times. I've, I'm, not as, and I'm not as concerned about some of the safety things, but this is not about safety. This is, I mean, this is clearly about money and it's clearly about the fact that they don't want to surrender their blockbusters and not make as much money as they were counting on making. The problem is, is with everything being unknown, it's, it's really, really damaging to the theater industry. And I think they're not doing themselves any favors with trying to get people back into movie theaters. They're not helping out because I mean, basically you've seen this with some of sports where, where, you know, sports come back and nobody's quite sure if it's going to work, if it's not going to work. So they, so they keep playing games and they keep playing. And so far sports has been working, you know, you make some adjustments as you need to and move forward. Um, but the theaters seem to be unwilling to do that. Um, I mean, restaurants right now are, you know, taking hits in terms of, of their bottom line sports. We talk about they're playing with no fans in the stands for the most part. And they're taking hits on their bottom line and continuing to move forward. But for whatever reason, the movie studios, um, I don't think they've accepted the reality that they're just not going to get all of the, all of what they want out of some of these movies. I mean, they'll probably make their money back if they release them, but they're just not going to make huge amounts of profits. And I think like you were saying, it's just gonna, it, it really, really puts the actual movie theaters who have, you know, had to reopen, they've had to hire staff, they have to follow the safety protocols and doing all that. And they're not giving them much to go on. They're not giving them much to deal with and not giving them much to sell to their customers. Um, so I was hoping that what they would do is they would slowly release some of these movies and see how it goes. But it seems like more studios are backing off and I don't know what that means for, for the next few months. Yeah, it's definitely an unprecedented time, and uh, it seems like we just keep on getting more and more news of things moving back and back and back. Yeah. There were a couple movies in the, in, in the list that got moved up a, a few weeks, um, smaller releases, uh, but things that got moved up into the schedule, I think, so they just have something. Um, it will be interesting to go see a bunch of these indie movies that are coming out, but I don't think that's going to be the draw for anything but you know, more hardcore movie fans. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, I think the next, I think the next window is really the Christmas window because that's where we do have, we still do have some bigger releases in that uh, in the Christmas season and Christmas uh, window. So that will be, that will be a telling thing to see where we're at at that point and what, what's happening with movies. Any other thoughts on Black Widow or any of the other, other delays? I do think the one thing that is interesting is that Black Widow uh, and this next phase of Marvel, a lot of people were saying when the last uh, movie ended um, that they felt like that was a really solid ending and there should be a significant break before things continued. Well, they got it. Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to see how things move forward from there. 
yeah, this is what the first time in like 10 or 13 years, some, somewhere along those lines, that there will be no Marvel, no big Marvel blockbuster releases. So that's, uh, that's kind of strange when you think about it, but you know, it's, uh, I guess it's where we're at. Yep. So, yeah. So moving on to, uh, to another story. I thought this one, it's a smaller story, but it's kind of interesting. Um, there is a writer who is suing uh, basically everyone pretty much involved in uh, the movie The Darkest Hour, which came out a couple years ago mm. during Gary Oldman. And his claim is he's suing the studio. He's suing... Um, the movie companies, he's suing Oldman, he's suing a bunch, just like basically everybody, saying that he is, um, that they stole some of his writing, that basically hmm. Gary Oldman had agreed to work on a different Churchill movie with him being the scriptwriter, and then Gary Oldman backed out of that movie to do The Darkest Hour with a different director. So, and then the writer is claiming that several of the, the scenes look familiar to what he wrote. Um, now I find this interesting because my initial reaction is, I think he's going to have a hard time proving this or having a hard time dealing with this because this is basically, it was based on things that happened in history. And it was based on a historical event. And so if you're basically writing a movie about a historical event, it's going to be really difficult to prove that someone wholesale copied unless we're talking about exact lines of dialogue or exact scenes laid out exactly how he's, how he's going. So it doesn't seem like that's what he's got. But uh, what, do, what do you think about the idea? How how difficult is it going to be for someone to kind of prove that their writing was stolen when we're talking about two, we're talking about films based on specific history? Yeah, I think it would have to be related to specific dialogue. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't really know how you prove something uh, as nebulous as that. Uh, definitely a very weird situation. Yeah, uh, I mean, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, you you would wonder how much Oldman would have even known or not known about the situation because I'm assuming as an actor you're not necessarily uh, tied into communicating with the writers like on a consistent basis. So you probably just get um, what they have for you and accept it as what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think it sounds like it'd be pretty difficult to prove anything in a case like that. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to say? Hey, I had a scene with Churchill in his bunker in my script. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, he claims that he showed the scripts to to Gary Oldman, but I just I have a hard time thinking Gary Oldman's like, oh, I better copy these things. I better bring this over. I also find it interesting that both productions wanted Gary Oldman as Churchill, like multiple movie studios mm. were looking at Gary Oldman as Churchill. And I look at Gary, I mean, he's a great actor and he did a great job in that movie. It's just, I don't immediately think, well, the only guy I can get for a movie about Churchill is Gary Oldman. 
But yeah. Everybody wanted Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill. Apparently he is Winston Churchill. Uh, based on what I've seen of him, he is literally any character you want him to be. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who calls him the, the top chameleon actor in Hollywood. Yeah. Where you just, I mean, he just blends in and you don't even recognize him. He's literally, he's literally been in movies that I've seen from start to finish and not realized it was him until the end. Yeah. And that has not happened to me with, I don't think, I don't think it's happened to me with any other actor. Well, it took me like a decade to realize Gary Oldman was an actor because he was so good at that. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, wait, that is the same guy. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, wow. He's in a lot of movies. So, yeah, great actor. It's an interesting story. I wonder if it goes anywhere. I suspect it's going nowhere. Yeah. So, all right. So let's move on. And we got uh, we do actually have movies coming out in theaters this week. Um, No big releases, but we've got some interesting stuff coming out this week. Um, so there is Break the Silence, the movie about the, uh, the K-pop band. So make sure uh, all of you K-pop lovers are going to want to go out and get, get right on that. Uh, break, yeah, let's break the silence. Uh, Ava is, uh, this one's actually seems like a slightly bigger release because it's got uh, Jessica Chastain, Common, and John Malkovich in it. And it's basically about an assassin whose job goes awry and she's got to fight for her survival. Uh, so that could be interesting. There is Kajillionaire starring Evan Rachel Wood. Um, and she's basically is part of a criminal family that, uh, that does like robberies and heists and forgeries and that sort of thing. They invite an outsider in and just throws off the whole family dynamic. Uh, we have The Last Shift. Um, not a lot of known about this one, but it's basically about a man whose last shift at a fast food restaurant takes an unexpected turn. So... <laughs> who, knows, who knows what that unexpected turn is at a fast That sounds place. inconvenient. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, have, uh, have fun with that one. And Malibu Road, it's a fast-living Los Angelinos are targeted by the CIA as part of the MK Ultra program. So um, those are the movies coming out this week. Just off your initial hearing, Rob, did any of them seem more interesting than others? Uh, I think that Ava sounds uh, like I might want to go see it. It's always good to have a movie with known quantities, uh, people who are established. Uh, It's very interesting being in this landscape because we're so used to having like one or two really big movies out at a time and not having that like it's kind of it's kind of like if you think about it, it's kind of like a foundation for the movie industry that you always have these like two or three movies that are out that a lot of people are going to see. And then that kind of holds up and supports all these smaller independent movies that people only go see because they're really excited about the premise or they're really interested in seeing a certain actor perform. And when that's all that's left out there right now, it, it really showcases how much those bigger budget movies are missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, I think that Ava sounds like the best of the bunch. Um, the, I saw a trailer for Kajillionaire and it seemed potentially interesting, but uh, I think Ava, Ava is the, uh, the cream of the crop coming out this week. We'll see. So make sure you, uh, 
head out to a local theater if you feel comfortable with that and uh, check it out and support our local theaters and support some of these uh, some of these smaller budget movies. So you're ready to move on to some fun discussion items? Let's let us discuss. All right. So this this is one this is one I was thinking the, this week I was watching I was turned on TV and there was a Mission Impossible marathon on. And it was on all day and they had all this the the whole string of the movies on and it got me thinking like that's a great action franchise. And I started thinking about some of the other action franchises. And so I want to throw out this question to you. And it's this, what is the best long running action movie series? And I'm going to define this specifically. It has to have five or more movies in it. And it, they have to have taken place over more than a decade. So off the top of my head there, you've got, you've got fast and furious You've got the Mission Impossibles, you've got the Bond movies, you've got Die Hard, you've got Terminator. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else I can think of off the top of my head. But those are, the, those are the main ones that I was thinking about. So what do you think? What is the best long-running action movie series? Uh, I think that this is a very personal question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's going to be different for everybody. Um, I've seen, I think all of the movies from the ones that you listed. And I could not have said that as recently as three years ago. Cause I've watched all of the bond movies in, in, in the last three years. And I've watched mm. all of the fast and the furious movies last year. So I've, I've uh, kind of been on a crash course when it comes to some of these. Um, I feel like for me, the answer is Bond because of the sheer breadth and depth of what's available. Uh, the, the issue with Bond is that some of the movies are really not good. <laughs> um, I really like every movie for telling the story of James Bond and learning more about the character and seeing the character in different situations. But some of the stuff Pierce Brosnan surfing on an iceberg uh, avalanche is just a little bit outlandish. <laughs> uh, but that's also kind of a hallmark of the series as a whole. Uh, I have really enjoyed seeing the different actors tackle the role. Um, I like some more than others, obviously. Uh, I think the current James Bond is spectacular, although the last movie he was in was not that great. Um, but like I said, the the quality, I think the, the biggest mark against it would be that the quality is so variable from movie to movie because there are so many different people involved. Um, but just my own personal opinion, as far as personal enjoyment, uh, the Bond series is at the top, I would say, by a, by a good distance. Yeah, I can certainly see where you're, where you're going with that, because Bond is like the, like the, the great-grandfather of the action movie franchises. I mean, they've been around forever. They've got the credibility. They've got the long-running history. I mean to be able to hold up an entire, like to hold a franchise together for 60 years is, is just unheard of. Like you just don't see that. 
and the way they've been able to adapt the characters and adapt the movies and even to the point where people still watch the old ones. I mean, not all of them, but people still watch the old ones. They're still on television. You can still make a decent amount of money on like the collector's box sets of, of all the old movies. So I look at, I definitely give a lot of props to the Bond movies for their longevity. However, you are totally right about quality. The quality is highly varied and some of them are just bad. <laughs> some of them are just bad. Um, even within the good ones, like I, I agree that the, uh, the, the latest Bond iteration has been really, really good, but some of the movies have just left you like, ah, it could have been so much better. Um, but Casino Royale and um, oh, the third one, why am I blanking out on it? Uh, Skyfall, Skyfall um, were just off the charts really, really good. Uh, but... I have to give it to Mission Impossible because I think every single one of those films was quality. Um, some people don't like the John Woo Mission Impossible too, but as a whole, that franchise has been fantastic. That every single movie is compelling, it's interesting, the action is great, the settings are great, the scenery is great. Um, they've even been able to work other actors in and out of that out of the cast and be able to put together a cohesive storyline and, and even across multiple directors. And I think they've just done a really fantastic job of giving you high level quality. I think for me, the most surprising one is the Fast and Furious has lasted. I would not have anticipated that be as long a running series as it was. Yeah, having rewatched through all of the Fast and Furious movies after the first to you're kind of in a it, it, I can definitely see where you're kind of wondering what where is this going from here and why <laughs> yeah yeah so it's it's kind of impressive that that series has stuck around as long as it has but hey more power to it so I think I think we we kind of by aggregate that we have to give it to bond um, and so Congratulations on James Bond being this podcast's number one action, long-running action series of all time. All right. So let's move on to a new game. And uh, this is a game we may revisit every once in a while. And this one is called Controversial Opinions. In this case, each of us will state one of our movie controversial opinions, and then we discuss. So let, let's get a kick started with one that's, that comes around, uh, it comes around pretty much every Christmas time. But since we just talked about long-running action franchises, I'm going to start here. So my first controversial opinion is that Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. It is definitely a Christmas movie. It takes place during Christmas. They make specific references to Christmas. I mean, you've got a dead body coming down with a Santa hat on it in an elevator. I mean, what more could you want with ho, ho, ho painted in blood across his shirt? I mean, how, how much more Christmas can you get than dead bodies in Christmas hats with blood painted ho, ho, ho's all over them? I mean, that's what I think about when Christmas. I think of Christmas. I don't know what does. <laughs> so what do you think? Are you, are you in agreement on this one or is this one too far afield for you? Yeah, I feel like this is where, uh, like, a, a good podcast would have 
like come up with talking points and so that we could argue with each other and one of us could be like, <laughs> outraged, but uh, I can't because I actually agree with you. <laughs> yes. Yes, there are more of us. <laughs> and uh, anyone else who says otherwise is wrong. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> yep. So what what is your what is your take on why this is a Christmas movie? Do you have do you have a specific thing about the movie that? Uh, I think the the main things for me is the the time of year, the setting. Like, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, I also think you got to factor in the aspect uh, that what John McClane does is a, a miracle. So uh, <laughs> it ties in really nicely to Christmas that way too. I like it. I like it. All right. So what do you got? What's, what's a controversial opinion of yours? So this one has gotten me into trouble with movie snobs mm. before, and I can be snobby about movies sometimes, but uh, sometimes I, I watch a movie. There are a couple movies that fall into this category uh, where I'll be watching a movie and I think that it's, it's uh, trying to be smart just to be smart. Like when I feel like when, sometimes when I'm watching a movie, the director is just saying, look at how smart I am. Aren't <laughs> you dumb, you common plebeian? You know? And uh, the movie that makes me feel this way the most is 2001 A Space Odyssey. And that gets me into trouble because oh, a lot yeah. of people love that movie. Mm. And there are, the thing is for a lot of reasons it should be a movie that i do love because i love drama i love uh explained in detail storylines i love music epic music like there's a lot in it that should make me really like the movie but just the never-ending nature of some of the scenes in that movie especially the space stuff with the giant orchestral score going on, like after a minute of it, I'm like, okay, when are we moving on to the next part of this yep. movie? And like, it just, it feels to me at points that Kubrick is really just displaying like his self-centeredness in what he's <laughs> doing. And I, I like some of his other movies, but that movie just, it feels pretentious to me. Yeah, you're messing with you're messing with film royalty right here. You're messing <laughs> with Kubrick. You're messing with with Space Odyssey. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever even talked about this. So, how, what what do you feel about a Space Odyssey? Yeah, again, again, we're on the same page. It's pretentious. It just is. It just drags and it drags and it drags. And it's like, I get it. You're in space, and space is awesome. Okay. <laughs> It was like, well, and, and you see the outcroppings of that because you have like Star Trek one tried to do almost the exact same thing with the, the long drawn out spacings. That was a terrible movie. That, that movie almost killed the franchise. So yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I'm not into it. So good stuff. I like it. <laughs> All right. So we're going to, I'm, I'm going to go with another one. And this one is movie experience related. And I know from talking beforehand that I do disagree with you on this one. So, All right. So here, here it goes. Movie theater popcorn is much better without butter on it. It's much better without butter on it because it's less messy. It doesn't get that. Uh, like you get the grease at the bottom of the bag that like runs out onto your, your lap. If you, if the bag isn't hundred percent sealed properly, 
And oh yeah, no, it's just, it's messy. And frankly, you get through half a bag of it. And if you haven't eaten anything else, your stomach starts turning. It's, it's, it's so much better without butter. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, much like a famous Ohio State athlete once said when he said that he didn't come here to play school, uh, <laughs> I didn't go to the movie theater to be healthy. So I want my popcorn drowning in butter, please. And uh, there's something, uh, for me, uh, the very things that make you dislike it are the reasons I like it because there's no other place uh, around that I can get my popcorn that way because I don't have a personal butter machine at home. Um, I can't pop it the same way. I can't cover it the same way. I will say that one caveat I would have is that the ideal experience is to have a butter machine where you can control the amount of butter yourself. Uh, and I've seen that at a few theaters, probably not right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the danger, you're, you're correct that the danger in, in going the buttered way is to have too much uh, from an overzealous employee and, and uh, you know, have your entire face coated with butter by the end of the night. But much like uh, Regal adopting Pepsi and having Mountain Dew now, you know, sometimes when you go to the theater, you have to make sacrifices and uh, give up on your diet for a day. That's just, that's life. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the move to Pepsi, but I don't drink soda, so I don't care. <laughs> yes. All right. So do you, do you got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I didn't have a, a ton of time to prep for this part, but I, I'm sure that I have many other controversial opinions that will make real movie fans mad at me and call me fake. Yes. So we will, we will return to controversial opinions at a later date. So now let's move on to our watch list. Um, so I think last week, both of us had the opportunity to finally see Bill and Ted face the music. So Rob, what was your thoughts on the wonderful nostalgic return of Bill and Ted? I thought that the movie was excellent <laughs> to the <laughs> franchise. Uh, as as much as it could be, there there's a lot that can be difficult to translate over such a big gap of time. But I thought that uh, it was in the spirit of the movies, which I think is the most important thing when you're making a sequel like that. Um, but the thing I appreciated most about the movie, uh, here's a little spoiler alert, spoiler alert, is that um, it showed what reality can be like and that a lot of the times the things we're hoping for or expecting don't happen the way we were thinking they would, but also shows that there's a way through that and that it's not the end. So I thought that um, the main thing that it connected it to the uh, previous movies is that it had a positive uplifting message in the end. And uh, I think that, I, I joked earlier about the be excellent to one another phrase, but that's kind of like the whole point of the Bill and Ted series that we should be kind to one another. We should be hopeful. And it was very interesting to see these characters in a place where they were distraught and feeling sad. And my favorite line from the movie, 
is uh, when when he says, "Man, Future straight up hates us." <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I really enjoyed it. I laughed a lot. Um, I thought having their daughters be a part of the storyline worked really well. It didn't feel forced, and I feel like it could have felt forced. And I I felt like they they were written into the movie the correct amount to make it make it connect and make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, there's a nostalgia factor for sure. I enjoyed it. I mean, we're not talking about like the world's greatest theatrical performance by any stretch of the imagination, but it was fun. It was fun. It was uplifting. It was enjoyable. Made you laugh. Um, I think one of, one of my favorite scenes, um, this is also a spoiler alert. Um, one of my favorite scenes was, when they go to visit themselves on their own deathbed and, and they're having like these deep conversations with their future selves. And, and Ted is talking about how he never really got to know his future self. <laughs> and yeah. the fish said, well, I never really let you. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's really like someone's talking to their own father, but he's really just talking to himself. And so it was just, it was subtly comical and, 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 and nostalgic in a fun in a fun, interesting way. Um, so it's certainly worth seeing. It's certainly worth, especially if you appreciated the old movies, you would definitely appreciate this one. Uh, a few minor criticisms. I think like the, the, the goofy airheaded kind of thing worked really well for those guys when they were in their twenties, <laughs> you know, when they were younger, it, it didn't feel quite as genuine um, quite as much um, when they're supposed to be like 25 years older and have kids and stuff and families and, and that kind of thing. But it still worked. It still worked. And uh, they did a cool job, like just like in the first movie, how they go back and they get all these great historical figures. And that was one of the coolest parts of the original movie is all the historical figures coming in. And then you get to see them all interact in this fun, interesting way taking them to the mall, that kind of stuff. They did a cool job of picking out some great classic musicians, Jimi Hendrix, and you got Louis Armstrong, but then you got a bunch of randos that no one has heard of. And, and then the, the final culmination of getting them all together, I just, it wasn't quite as, it wasn't quite as fun and as epic as, um, as the historical figures from the first movie. But it was cool to see. It was it was cool to have like Jimi Hendrix and and Louis Armstrong, and I thought it was cool how they recruited Jimi Hendrix by going to get Louis Armstrong first, and then coming back to get Jimi Hendrix. So that was that was cool. But it was a fun movie. I liked it. Man, Mozart not getting any love. I know Mozart not getting any love. <laughs> Mozart Mozart was good. There was a couple good moments with Mozart. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say that the. Uh the killer death robot sent from the future definitely <laughs> stole the show in some moments. Yes. <laughs> yes. The killer death robot was an excellent addition. <laughs> I thought the, uh, the appearance from death also warranted, uh, warranted some good comic relief. And it was awesome. That was the same person as yeah. well from the original movies. Yeah. That was cool. Whenever they were able to do that, that was cool. It was, uh, you know, unfortunately, obviously, you couldn't have George Carlin in there, but they did do a they did do a little tribute to George Carlin, which was nice. So, did you watch anything else this week? 
Uh, I didn't watch a whole lot else this week, honestly. It was a very busy week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I found that all the movies I want to see are playing at times that my wife is at work. <laughs> yeah, and it's rough. I'm home with two young kids, so it's hard for me to go watch them. And uh, I think that um, how I, I, I watched Bill and Ted by uh, renting it online and actually just paid a little extra to buy it outright. And I think that I, I might do that with a couple other movies, do the straight theater to home uh, rental on Voodoo just to get some movies watched because I'm tired of not seeing new movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. All right. So let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, let's move on to what we might see this week. Um, so I'll start on this one. Um, I'm hoping to go see Infidel this week. Um, so we talked a little bit about Infidel last week, um, but I'm looking forward to to getting a chance to see it. I think it should be a pretty good movie. I always like Jim Caviezel, so I'm hoping to see that one. And I want to, uh, a movie that just came out recently on HBO Max is uh, The Way Back with uh, Ben Affleck. And that was also one of the last movies I saw before theaters shut down in March. And I really, I really enjoyed it. It's, um, it's a movie about a former high-profile basketball player who um, ends up as an alcoholic and has no direction in his life whatsoever and then gets recruited to coach a basketball team. And it's, it's a story about his, uh, his attempt at redemption. And I think it's just a great movie about the need for us to have a purpose in life and the need for a purpose. And I thought it was really well done and really well acted. So I'm looking forward to, to checking that out again. Rob, what you got? Yeah, I, I uh, want to see Infidel as well still. I'm hoping that maybe I'll give a chance to go see a movie in the theater this week, but uh, I'm not certain. Perhaps on Sunday I might go do that. Uh, we'll have to see what the schedule holds, but there are plenty of streaming options that I have, so I... I'm hoping to watch a couple movies that I have not previously seen uh, this week, and there are plenty of options for me to do so. So just a matter of finding time where I'm also awake. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing how difficult schedules can be sometimes when you're, trying to, when you're trying to get movies in. I've got just such a long list of movies to watch, and some weeks are just crazy. And then I also like watching TV shows, so. Yeah. A real problem. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is a real problem. So, um, Rob, you got any other comments? I think I'm good. All right. Well, that is the show, everyone. So thank you for tuning in. I uh, just want to ask you, if you like what we're doing, rate, rate us on your podcast app, subscribe to the podcast, uh, check us out on YouTube if you want to watch the videos and check out filmforfans.com. We've got a few articles on there. We're going to be adding some more content and doing some more reviews. Uh, so thank you for watching and thank you for listening to us. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Until then, enjoy the movies. <laughs>